Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. Good morning. Good to see you. Thank you for being here at Freedom Church. Thank you so, so much. If it's your first time here, we are so glad to have you, that you would take time of your life to be at Freedom Church. We love you. And I want to ask you, if you would, would you please give some love to people that watch online from everywhere? Give them some love. Would you do that? Thank you so much. Now, something I felt led to do, and I'm going to do this, uh, we've been in this short series called United We Stand. And... um, Today, I'm going to talk about something that will be very controversial, and I think by the end of this time together that we share, you will have a different perspective as God has taught me a different perspective, especially when it comes to people thinking about, um, you know, voting and all that kind of stuff, and does that fit in church and all that. So I think those questions will be answered for you today, but I want to read to you uh, Jeremiah chapter 6. And I want to read three verses to you, and I want you to see if it sounds familiar for where we're at today. It says, this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. I posted watchmen over you who said, listen for the sound of the alarm. But you replied, no, we won't pay attention. Therefore, listen to this. All you nations, take note of my people's situation. Listen, all the earth, I will bring disaster on my people. It is the fruit of their own schemes because they refuse to listen to me. They have rejected my word. Father, we uh, come to you right now in the name of Jesus, God. And Lord, we are so thankful for our church family here. We're so thankful for a nation, God, from the inception, God, uh, sought out to be able to have a nation where that we could worship you. We pray, God, that we will listen to you today, God, in your will and your ways and speak to our hearts, even in all affairs. God, your word speaks into that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, listen, thankful so much that you are here today. And as we wrap this up today, you know, I think about America. How many of you here would raise your hand and say, I love America. I love America. I love the great country we're in. You know, in this great country, we can do what we want to, where we want to, how we want to, and who we want to with, and you have the opportunity to do that. But whenever you as an individual decide that you're going to do life apart from the creator's way, your, your maker's way of doing things, things can go south for you. I was raised up in a Christian home. And I was, you know, we went to church every Sunday and did all that. I gave my life to Christ as a young boy, but I kind of got away from that. And next thing I know, I got wild. Now, how many of you here would raise your hand and, and tell me you got wild at one point in time in your life? Raise your hand. Man, there's a lot of wild people in here, like a last service. Wow. <laughs> and that's what happened to me. I got so wild, I ended up in jail at 18 years old and, and uh, not proud of that, but God redeemed me since that. And I'm very thankful for that. But what happens when you get wild? It's, you get wild as a, as a part of not following the divine guidance of our, of our creator and of our maker. And a story, just kind of doing what we want. But uh, I ran wild because I did things from my own perspective. And listen to what it says here in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. It says, when people do not do, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run what? What's that word? Wild. 
wild. They run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. See, when running wild away from the divine guidance or rejection of that or ignorance of God, when that happens, people get wild and also nations can get wild. How many of you would agree with me that this nation is wilder than I've ever witnessed before in my lifetime? Would you agree with me on that? Yes, it is. We see all kinds of crazy things going on. Crimes happen. Immorality happens. Wrong things happen. Sin dominates and hits people's lives. And, and in for order for us as individuals and even as a nation to be able to function well and have joy and be blessed, it's all about knowing, accepting, and obeying God's divine guidance. Are you with me today, church? It's about knowing, accepting, and being able to obey God's divine guidance. Today, as we talk about what's on a lot of people's minds, I want to point this out to you. You know how many people came through this church, walked through here in a line, and voted in just two weeks or 10 days of voting, early voting? How many people, how many think come through here? 23,132 people came through this church in early voting. They take it serious about what they're doing, hopefully, with that being said. But today, as we, you know, everybody's thinking about who to vote for as president and other positions and things like that, I want to ask this question. How many of you here would say by raising your hand that you are a born-again Christian, you know you have salvation in Jesus Christ? Would you raise your hand? All right, praise God. If you did not raise your hand, I am so glad you are here because you're in a wonderful place and you'll have an opportunity to be able to give your life to Christ. But whenever you say that and you're a born-again Christian, I hope and pray that you truly believe in God's Word and that if you truly believe in God's Word, it, the Bible is the divine guidance of even to know how to vote. And when you look at it from how to vote, then you know who to vote for. But many people, what happens in today's time, they are guilty of looking to certain people to tell them who to vote for. People want to look at your dad, or you want to look at your granddad, or you want to be able to look at some celebrity, or some other politician, or some kind of TV commercial, or a friend, or some people say, well, I vote for the person, or I follow my feelings, and all those kind of things. The Bible tells us that who's in office has a major effect on how God blesses our nation. How many of you here want to be blessed? Raise your hand. How many of you here want your nation to be blessed? Raise your hand. I do, because I have children, and I have grandchildren, and I want them to be blessed in a nation even when I'm not here. But once again, it all goes back to knowing, accepting, and being obedient to the absolute truth of God's Word and how that God would have you and I to do in order to see America continue to be blessed. History shows us that the reason God has blessed this great nation is because we had godly leaders. Understanding we had good leaders. And you know what? When you have the wrong leaders in place and they twist the laws and reflect the values of ungodly values, we can end up being devastated like other nations are devastated in this world. So understand once again that knowing, accepting, and obeying the divine guidance from our house personally to the White House will have a direct effect on how joyful that we're going to be able to have life. You cannot make a good family, you cannot make a good church, and you cannot make a good nation without divine guidance. Divine guidance is critical. Say that with me. Divine guidance is critical. And some people think, well, it, you know, is it biblical or is it, are you going to do a biblical message today or is it political? And where does that play in with the church? Is it biblical or is it political? Check this out on the side screens. Were these men of God throughout history being too political? 1450 BC, Moses petitioned Pharaoh for the liberty of God's people, even calling down consequences when the king failed to comply. 
870 B.C. Elijah, in the name of the Lord, he challenged King Ahab and his advisors for their ungodly policies and practices. 29 A.D. Should John the Baptist have kept quiet rather than confronting King Herod about his immoral lifestyle, even though it cost him his ministry and even his life? 30 A.D. When Pilate said to Jesus, Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Was Jesus too political when he replied, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above? 31 A.D. Were Peter and John getting political when they publicly refused to comply with the governing authorities who told them not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus? 54 A.D. The Apostle Paul preached the gospel in Ephesus in such a way that it totally disrupted both business and politics in the region. 1775, in early America, would you have joined Pastor Jonas Clark in Lexington, Massachusetts, when he led his church and community to form a militia and face the British in the war for independence? 1830. Be holy as God is holy. How political was Second Great Awakening preacher Charles Finney when he passionately called for an end to slavery from the pulpit? 1954, was separation of church and state being honored when Dr. George McPherson Dougherty preached a sermon that convinced President Eisenhower to include under God in our Pledge of Allegiance? 1963, I have a dream. What about the civil disobedience of Baptist minister, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who led civil rights marches, giving his life for the cause? Were all of these men of God being too political or were they just being biblical? Would you agree they were being biblical? Would you agree with that? When we think about the inception of our nation, here in front of me is the Constitution. For those of you that may not realize, this come out of my office, I want to share this with you because I hope it's dear to me because of our nation. But there is the Declaration of Independence, which is separate from the Constitution. The Declaration of Independence is the why of how our nation exists. This here is the Constitution, which is the how that our nation exists. It is how that we function as a nation. And a lot of people, when you look at this here, they don't realize that there is a difference between the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And I've got a few things I want to share with you about the writing of the Constitution that is very, very important to understand. Of course, understanding that these two key founding documents in American history is the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And so, with that being said, not only does the Declaration of Independence mention God four times, most importantly, it mentions that our rights come from the Creator, our God. And did you know that the Constitution here also in telling us how our nation is to exist and how we are to function, the Constitution here mentions God in the ratification clause. Now, the signers of these documents were 55 different men who were assembled, and they assembled after the signing of the Declaration of Independence, which was July 4, 1776. They assembled a couple of years later, understanding that out of these 55 men, about 52 of these men were in their churches in good standing, and many of them were even presidents and founders of Bible societies. You may not know that Dr. Ben Franklin was not a member of such a church. 
Yet after weeks of wheel spinning at a convention on June 28, 1787, Dr. Franklin delivered a speech asking them how it is that they had, how it is that they had forgotten to seek God's help. This is what he said, and I quote him. He said, in the beginning of the contest with Great Britain, when we were sensible of danger, we had daily prayer in this room for divine protection. Our prayers, sir, were heard, and they were graciously answered. All of us who were engaged in the struggle must have observed frequent instances of a superintending providence in our favor. And then Ben Franklin goes on to say, I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is probable that an empire can rise without his aid. He asked then that they pray. So on July 4th, they called together to have a worship service together at a local Christian church. And after they had prayed together, they reassembled again and the animosity had died down where they were trying to bring about writing of the Constitution. And Franklin understand that they helped here and they brought together the Constitution and the writing of it. But you got to understand that Franklin was the least religious or orthodox of our nation's founding fathers. Well, that being said, people say that any mention of God in government is unconstitutional, which I will tell you that ironically, that would make the Constitution unconstitutional. Are you with me today? Now, some people, they want to say, you know, that, you know, where do you preach politics? Where does politics need to be preached in the church? Well, you may not know this, but in the first 200 years, pastors preached on all social affairs, including politics. You can order this for yourself. Here is a book right here. This is the first, uh, the, the first volume, Political Sermons of the American Founding Era, 1730 to 1805. They preached on politics because it was something that affected their nation at that time. And they had pulled away from Great Britain because of Great Britain's influence on them. They wanted to worship God freely. So understanding when they began to preach, they preached about this every single year because it had affected their lives. And so, but some people say, well, pastor, I really don't think you need to be talking about politics in church because isn't there a separation of church and state? Absolutely not. There's no such thing as separation of church and state in the Declaration of Independence. There's no such thing of separation of church and state in the Constitution, nor is it in the Bill of Rights. Now, with that being said, what happened was Thomas Jefferson in 1805 when he was president, if my understanding of the date is right, I do know this took place. He wrote a letter to a Baptist association. And in that letter, he was talking about how that the, the church need to have a building, building a basically against the church and the government. How, and how, what they did, they took his words 150 years later and twisted to say that he said there must be a separation of church and state, which is not true. And that's what took place. And so with that being said, understanding that when it comes to what he said here and how they twisted it out of context, we must know that we have been sold a bill of goods. We have had a demonic brainwashing since the birth of our country. And here's what I will tell you. It's time that we stand up and we unite biblically so that we know how to vote and politically. And that's where we're at today. 
Now, let me tell you this. Some of you might be thinking, well, this is my first time here. I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't agree with this. I don't know if I want to be a part of this church. If you make that choice, that's your choice. That's not our preference. But here's what I'm going to tell you. As long as I'm the pastor of this church, I will look at every issue that's in this Word, and I will preach it from this platform. And if that makes you uncomfortable, I will just tell you that's between you and God, okay? You understand what I'm saying? This book will be preached in its entirety as long as God is giving me strength to be able to do it. And it's time that we stand for that in this nation. When you look at talking about governments and things like that, Romans 13 is a, is a great book that Paul had written to the Roman church. And I want to read one particular verse, verse 4 in Romans 13. It says, the authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid. For they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. Now, when it talks about the authorities here, the reference can be the authorities, it can be someone that is a king, someone that is a prime minister, someone that is a president. They are to be God's servant that will cultivate good and they will punish evil. They will punish wrongdoing. I want you to know that this election for America is a big deal for America. It is a turning point. It is a crossroads, as it says in Jeremiah chapter 6. Yes, I will tell you, Jesus is on the throne. Yes, I will tell you, God is in control and not the government. But voting for and electing candidates that will cultivate good and punish evil will help maintain a prosperous and an orderly society for you and I to live in and to raise our kids and grandkids. And as Christians, it is our right, but yet it is a privilege to be able to vote for men and women who will represent the biblical worldview and policies and procedures that will cultivate good and punish evil. Now, I want, I want to make sure you understand something here. People all the time, they're saying this, and I hear this so much, say, well, I don't like their personality. I don't like how they do this. I don't like how they do that. I don't like blah, 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 blah. Listen, you are not voting for personality. You are voting for policies and procedures that lines up with biblical scripture. That is what you're voting for. That is exactly what you're voting. You're not voting for because you like or you dislike someone's personality. So we got to look to the scripture. We got to look at the divine God for what we're doing here. So today I want to share a few candidate qualities that we need to look for in any candidate of any office that is over our local or our national government. And first and foremost, we need to look for character. You say, oh, I think they're a character, all right, blah, 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 whatever. Listen, let me say this to you. Being a character is a person's attributes. It is a trait. It is an ability. It is their qualities. It is the features that they have when it comes to reputation. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 2 says, When the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, they groan. When you look at the word groan here and you look at the root of what it means, groaning means to be like at a funeral to, and, and, and to be pulled down and to be disarrayed and be able to be just very sad. For those in authority, it's not about rhetoric. It is about their righteousness. How do they live? Who is their peers? What are their friends like? How is their advisors? Who are their associates? These are things you look at. 
Proverbs 16 and 12 in the message, I love what this says. Good leaders abhor. Let me stop there a minute and talk about the word abhor. Abhor means to detest. It means to hate. It means to reject that which is wrongdoing, it says here, of all kinds. Sound leadership has a moral foundation. Someone who is a godly person of character, and this person has a moral foundation. This person has a truth source. They live life in light of absolute truth. And when God sees anyone seeking after truth, he wants to bless that person. When he sees a nation seeking after truth, he wants to bless that nation. God wants to honor them. God wants to make a way for them. And God wants to favor them. And that's what he wants to do in our lives personally. And that's what he wants to do nationally. So what are these candidates building their lives on? Ask yourself that question. Well, ask yourself this question. What are you building your life on? We're all a collection of character traits. Character is who you are when no one else is looking. It's been said that your private life doesn't reflect your public life. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That what you do privately has no effect or has no direct influence upon your public life. In other words, who you are in private doesn't affect who you are in the public. And I have a Greek word for that, hogwash. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard of in my life. What you do in private matters. And what you do in the private heart and chambers of your life is going to affect what you do publicly in your life. And here's what good leaders do. Good leaders despise that which is despicable. Anyone can rationalize anything if they have no standards of what is right and wrong. Let me say that again. Anyone can rationalize anything if they have no standard for judging that which is right or wrong. And so before doing anything or putting any plans into action when it comes to life, here's something that we need to look at personally and how that we are doing our part even in a voting process. Is this plan in harmony with God's truth? Is this plan in harmony with God's truth? Will it work under real life conditions when it comes to any plans of action? And is my attitude pleasing to God? Government can bring stability in our nation and godliness in the stability for leaders that gives us a foundation in the government. If those in authority aren't godly, then government is not going to be godly, and therefore our nation is not going to be godly. We're currently living in a world that says this, and I think you'll agree with me, that being godly is not important. Would you, have y'all saw that in this nation? Being godly is not important. And if we stand for godliness and abhor wrongdoing, we then, though, can experience God's favor in our lives to the point that you can't even imagine the blessings that God wants to bestow upon your life. But it begins with living with character in Christ. But something else that's an important candidate quality would be conviction. So character is who you are when no one else is looking. Character is basically reflects where you connect in this life. Conviction is a strong passion. It is a belief. I believe this, and this is what I stand on, and this is my foundation. Proverbs 24 and verses 23 through 25, it says, It is wrong to show favoritism when passing judgment. A judge who says to the wicked, you are innocent, will be cursed by many people and denounced by the nations. 
But it will go well for those who convict the guilty. Rich blessings will be showered on them. See, having conviction means that you do not compromise whatsoever when it comes to that which is right and wrong, that which is godly or ungodly. You're more concerned about being morally correct than you are politically correct. And let me tell you something about great leaders. Great leaders tell the truth at all times. Leaders do not lie. That's what, and look at Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 37, he said, just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. It just kills me when they talk about flip, flop, flip, flop, what it is to be able to, to appease the crowd. Many politicians, what they end up doing, they sprinkle a little truth with a little lie and they become totally untrustworthy. And vows, in this day and time when Jesus said this, vows were common in Jesus' day, but he told his followers not to make vows that their word was good enough. They would swear by heaven. They would swear by earth. They would swear by the holy city of Jerusalem. So our conversation that we have with one another should be so noble and so rich that when you give a definitive yes, it means yes. You can take it to the banks. Shoosh, through the uprights. That's what it means. Your yes is yes and your no is no. And it's vital as we think about any election that we check the records. You need to look at promises made, promises broken. Promises made, promises broken. We must have people of integrity. We must have people that, have, that follow absolute truth, living by sound, good, moral principles, uprightness, honesty, and sincerity of a foundation of faith. I don't know about you, but... How many of you have known someone in your life that was really a pathological liar? Raise your hand. Yes, yes. I had a guy that I worked with, and it doesn't matter what his name is. You know how I knew he was lying? When he was talking. Right? And, and I just got to the point that I had to take everything that this person said, with a, as the old saying goes, with a grain of salt. And here's what I will tell you. We do not need a president that, that every time that we know exactly when the line is when they are talking. And when a new president is sworn in and they put their hand upon the Bible, when they swear to uphold and defend the law of the Constitution and defend us, will they faithfully carry out that promise? That is the question. When they put their hand on God's Word and they say those words, do they really believe and trust in God's Word? Are they truly living their life under the authority of God's Word? Are they looking to Him for divine guidance in everything that they do? There are huge issues we're dealing with here in our country today. Not to mention COVID. We got situations going on with all kinds of looting and all kinds of destruction of cities and racism and things that's going on when it comes to protecting the rights of unborn children, stopping socialism for destroying our country like it has other countries. All kinds of injustice that we need to be sure that we cultivate the good and we punish the evil. I don't know about you guys, but I'm over 2020. How about you guys? Anybody over this, this year? I have never much in my life wanted to see the ball drop in Times Square. What about y'all? Right? I've never so much wanted to see Dick Clark resurrect and come back and do the countdown. Ryan Seacrest is okay, all right? He's a nice guy. But Dick Clark, what I loved about him my whole life before he died, he looked the same in 1965 as he did way on up till he died. I mean, he just never changed. But anyway, I'm so over. You see all this stuff going on this year. But it doesn't change the truth of God's Word and divine intervention of what God wants to do. And we are attributes of that and how God wants to use you and me. So not only do we have character and conviction, but also courage. 
It's awesome to have conviction, but you have to have courage to carry it out. You got to have courage to be able to live it out and to make hard calls. See, that's what a leader does. Whether you're a leader in a company, you're a leader in a church, or you're a leader in some kind of thing in secular society, what makes a leader is a leader that can make the hard calls. One of the greatest tests of leadership is doing that. And by having the courage, if everyone likes you, though, you're in serious, serious trouble if everyone likes you. I can just tell you that right now. Are, they, are you being a person that's, that's standing up for being a friend with everybody or standing up for the truth and absolute divine guidance in everything you do? It takes courage to do things. Proverbs 28 and verse 1 says, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. See, it takes courage to be able to stand up and be godly for one nation under God. It takes courage to be able to stand up for absolute truth. It takes courage to be be able to stand up for moral absolutes. It takes courage to stand up for the rights of, of developing babies. It takes courage to stand up against the homosexual movement in our nation. It takes courage to stand up against racism. It takes courage to stand up against socialism. It takes courage to stand up of cutting government in order to be able to be best for our future. So we got to have character, we got to have conviction, we got to have courage, but also we need compassion. And so what do you mean? Well, Proverbs 31, verse 8 and 9, look what it says. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak up basically for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. In the context of this writing here, King Lemuel's mother is teaching him to use his power for the speechless and for the poor. And what I mean by that, and you look at this verse, we should be able to help those who cannot help themselves. We need to help those who are physically challenged. We need to help those who are mentally challenged. And we need to help those who are challenged that cannot work and are disabled. It's not saying in this verse to have compassion on people who can work and choose not to. I'm all for the government and especially our church and churches abroad helping the poor and the needy. And the person we elect should be all about that. However, I am not for the Robin Hood mentality. How many of you know what the Robin Hood mentality is? I hope you do. It's massive distribution of wealth. Uh, There's an assault, and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, on achievement. Taking money from those and basically produce this, producing and giving it to other people who have the ability to work, but they are living off the government because they can. Also, it means that we need to stand up and to be able to speak up for those who cannot speak up and stand up for themselves. Is there any better description in this verse than for an unborn baby? Think about that. As I said a couple of weeks ago, over 2,400 murders in the name of convenience in this nation every 24 hours called abortions. And for those of you that were not here two weeks ago, I shared this and I'm going to share it again. I read a story or I heard a story, I can't remember exactly what it was, but a story, it's a true story about a nurse that she was part of this abortion process and she had a mental breakdown an emotional breakdown and could not be a nurse any longer it wasn't so much as her being in the room where this procedure took place and taking unborn babies lives but you know what broke her down emotionally and mentally they would take those babies And they would put them in the red bag 
And those babies would be fighting for life and she would hear their moans. Fighting for life. Fighting for life. So we need to be sure to have people that's leading our country that will stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. A child in a womb is innocent and cannot protect themselves. Some people say, well, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm opposed to abortion. But I think this guy right here will help me betterly financially. And, and I'm going to vote for this guy or this gal. And if you do, you will have innocent blood all over your wallet, and you become an accessory to murder because you won't trust Christ to take care of your finances. Something else we need in quality candidates is competence. Now, I'm pro-education. I'm all about it. However... We need to be schooled in more than intelligence. I touched on this. I'm telling you what, we've got more educated idiots in this world than ever before. Just being honest with you. And once again, intelligence or IQ does not equal wisdom. We need to be schooled in wisdom and experience. It says in Proverbs 28 and verse 2, when there is moral rot within a nation, its government topples easily, but wise and knowledgeable leaders will bring stability. What are the attributes of a godly leader? Wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom is seeing life from the lens of God. Intelligence is seeing life from basically the world's perspective. Proverbs 11 and 14 says, without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. So there's competence. Something else we need to think about is constituency. You say, what do you mean? Here's what I know. I can meet your friends and not ever have met you, and I can pretty well get a good picture of the kind of person that you are just by meeting your friend circle. So think about this. Who's cheering for any potential candidate? Better yet, who opposes that candidate? It's time to wake up and think about where we're at. If mainstream media is supporting a candidate or an issue, you better look at that issue and you better look at that candidate very, very closely. And when you hang out with people who will compromise and they don't show character, they have no conviction, they have no courage and have no compassion, you will never discover the greatness that God has to be able to reach the God potential that he has for that candidate or even our nation or each of us. So it's time as a church to be the church. It's time as a church to use the divine voters guide here. It's time that we vote. What I'm talking about here is a whole lot bigger than when we're talking about a little bitty donkey and a big old elephant. So I've shared with you biblically how to vote politically. So it's a no-brainer for a Christian when you look at how to vote, then you know who to vote for by using God's divine guide. Here's what I know about when it comes to this life. As Christians, we vote every day in life and how we live. But everything that we do 
and everything that we see and do in our life walking, it reflects where we connect. What does our world struggle with? What does the media struggle with? What does culture struggle with? What does educational universities struggle with? What does government politicians or humanity struggle with? I'll tell you exactly what they struggle with. They struggle with character. They struggle with conviction. They struggle with courage. They struggle with compassion. They struggle with competence. And they struggle with constituency. That's what they struggle with. We all have to have them to be what God wants them to be. And if they're not being what God wants them to be, what's going to happen to that? If they're not seeking God, what's going to happen to that? And you say, why is that? Because when we vote in our lives, how we vote, how can we vote right if we're not living right? If we don't have those characteristics in our life, how can we do that? If we don't have those qualities in our life, how can we do that? How can we put a godly leader who in office who is not reflecting godliness? How can we do that? Every day in life, we're voting for something. Who are you voting for in this life? Are you voting for you? Are you voting for God's ways in your life? Are you voting for God or are you voting for money? Are you voting for God or some kind of secular humanism? Are you voting for God or some new age perspective and saying that's just an old way of living? Who are you voting for? Are you voting for God and how you live out your relationships? Are you honoring marriage between a man and woman for one lifetime? Are you honoring and being able to not go to some kind of vile website? Are you refusing to go to certain places and do certain things? Are you being a person by how you use your language? Is your language glorifying God or does it make other people around you question who you have your faith in? Are you voting for God by loving God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul? Are you voting for God by how you're loving your neighbor and loving yourself? What are you doing? How are you living this life? I have those same questions for myself. And I ask myself those same kind of questions every day of my life. I am not perfect. And I will never stand here and tell you as your pastor that I'm perfect because I'm not. But I'm seeking his perfection. So I ask you this, do you need to repent for not applying God's divine voting guide in every aspect of your life. If you vote for your wallet or who you thought would prosper you the most, that's a slap in God's holy face. Look at Matthew chapter 7 and listen to what Jesus says here. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. So I asked you, What are you building your life on? Rock or sand? What teachings are you truly following and applying to your life? Is it helping you to be wise, especially in God's eyes? I want to make something crystal clear. This isn't about 
Republican or Democrat. This is not about independent or libertarian. This isn't about which flag that you fly under. It's about good and evil. It's about voting for God through the insight from the ultimate voting God in each and every decision that we make in our lives, including voting for president. If they're for abortion, a cross follower won't vote for them. If they're for same-sex marriage, a cross follower is not going to vote for them. If they're a racist, a Christ follower is not going to vote for them. If they're a socialist, a Christ follower is not going to vote for them. If they're not pro-Israel, then a Christ follower is not going to vote for them. And I could go on and on and on and on. And today, if we're not careful because we're so blessed in a nation that we don't have to stay on our face before God for the next meal that we eat. We have become living Christians that are living as convenient Christians in this nation. We're about being politically correct. We're about being socialistic and we're about being part-time faith followers. God is looking to totally bless every one of us in incredible ways. And he wants to bless our nation more than it has ever been blessed even at this point. And he will when we live and we make all of our decisions in light of the ultimate voting God, which is God's word, which is God's heart. God is looking for followers who aren't interested in being in the Christian reserves. He's looking for followers who want to enlist full-time and stand up fully for what's right through his word. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. So we're going to seek the kingdom of God, live righteously. You understand what the word righteous means? It means a right relationship with God and he will give you everything you need a simple process that God wants to bless us through so let's unite as God's people for a cause of the kingdom of almighty God above all else above all else and be able to be sure that we are sustaining and living our lives in a way that keeps ourselves personally and our nation in a blessable position. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus today, asking you, God, to bless our great nation. We're asking you, Heavenly Father, Lord, that we will sell out 100%, God, to using your divine word as our guide, not only in voting for a president, God, or local or national politicians, but God, in every aspect of our lives, may we take your divine word and apply it to everything, God, in our lives. We pray, God, that your hand would be upon us and you would forgive us, almighty God, Lord, of when we have taken our eyes off of you and allowed influence from any other one in this world or anything that we follow a teaching apart from you please forgive us oh god today god i pray for every person god that they look at the decisions they make and they take it very 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 serious find us faithful and following your divine god in all things maybe you're here and or you're watching online and 
you've never given your life to Christ. It's been hard to follow a king you don't know, follow a Lord that's gave his life for you and you've never had his richest blessings even though he's blessed you so much. But you've never had that relationship with the one who's blessing you so much. And you know that you feel that conviction in your heart to make Jesus the Lord of your life. We're so glad that you're watching. We're so glad that maybe you're here today. So I want to ask you if you feel that conviction of things you've done wrong in your life. Sin is missing the mark and you don't want to miss the mark any longer by having sin in your life. And you want to be the best mom or you want to be the best dad, the best husband, best wife. You want to be the best leader in your company or you want to be the best person that coaches on the ball team or whatever it is that you're doing in this life. You just simply want to be the best. And being the best is getting yourself in a blessable position by making Jesus the Lord of your life. So today, would you bow your heads and pray with me today? And if you've never given your life to him, would you just call out upon the name of Jesus right where you're at today and ask him to be the Lord of your life? Tell him, say, Lord, would you please accept me as your own? I don't want to live my life apart from you and having a relationship with you. Just tell him, say, Lord, I believe in you. I may not understand everything about you, but I believe you did come to this world. You did live and you died and you rose for me. Thank you for that, Jesus. Now, just tell him, say, Lord, I confess all the things I've done wrong in my life. I confess all my sins to you. Please forgive me of those things I've done wrong. Now, I ask him, say, Lord, would you save me? I give my life to you. If you prayed that and you meant that from the depths of your soul, heaven's rejoicing. Heaven's rejoicing. Thank him for that, and he's going to give you the power of his Holy Spirit to guide you in your life each and every day. And I want you to let us know that. If you're online, let us know that. They'll tell you how to do that. If, if you're uh, here in this audience, please let us know that. You can come and see me. You can fill out a card there and drop it in the offering. When you leave today, we'll follow up with you. We promise you that and help you in your newfound faith in Christ. Listen, it's going to be an incredible life that you live. Father, we love you so much and we praise your holy name and thank you for this blessed life that you have done for us. And God, we're such a blessed people to live in the greatest nation on earth. Find us faithful, God, in all that we do with your divine guidance in everything we do in light of every decision we make. And we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says, Amen. Amen. Let's give our great God praise and honor. Thanks for joining us at Freedom Church Online. We're so excited that no matter what your situation is in life, you've made receiving God's word today a priority. If you've given your life to Jesus today, that's awesome. And we want to know about it. As a church family, we want to be there for you as you begin this exciting journey. If you're on the Freedom Church app or on our website, just hit the hamburger icon in the top left of your screen and hit connection card. Now, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, hit the link in the description. Just fill out the information on the form and let us know about this exciting decision that you have made. If you did receive Christ today for the first time, your next step would be baptism. If you notice on the form, there's a place to select that as well. 
You can also select any other next steps you may be interested in. Once you submit it, we'll be in contact with you to help you out and answer any questions that you may have. We also want to take this time to give back to God a portion of what he has so graciously given to us. If you're on our app or website, just hit the same hamburger icon from before and hit giving. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, just hit the link in the description. These all take you to a secure place to submit your offering. Also, just because we live in the age of technology doesn't mean you can't send in your tie the old fashioned way. If you seal it up in an envelope and send it to the address on your screen, that'll work just as well. We want everyone to be able to experience the blessings that come from being faithful and trusting God with what he has blessed us with. Thanks for joining us. We hope to see you all back with us next week.